Hi, everybody, and welcome to PicardCast. As always, I'm Brooke, and I'm here with the best co-host. I almost called her a guest host. Oh, my God. Oh, it's been too long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it feels so long since we've recorded. Yeah. Our, our audience probably won't know, but uh, it has been quite a bit since we've recorded. So I am almost like a guest host at this point. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks. Been, oh, wow. Thanks for having me back to my favorite podcast to guest on. <laughs> Welcome back to your own podcast that you, Thank you. you made up. <laughs> Thanks so much. This is great. <laughs> you know, you guys will understand that I didn't cut this out. <laughs> just roll with it everybody just roll with it so of course we aren't alone we're here with our returning guest mark hi everybody from nerdaholics woohoo yeah. and lots of other whenever, fun things <laughs> whenever that show comes back yeah. that's how i it's, feel it's hard it's hard, ones. <laughs> it's hard to do a uh entertainment recap show when there's not much entertainment happening so oh i know so then you can come and do uh, recaps of old things with us. Yeah, yeah. This is right up my alley right now. Yay. <laughs> so uh, since this is Personal Logs, we'd uh, go ahead and tell us what uh, episode you picked and why you picked it. All right. So I picked, uh, this is Season 2, Episode 16, called Q-Who. I picked this because I was looking at the list of, everyone, of the shows everyone was picking, and no one had picked a good Q episode yet. And Q being one of my favorite characters, I knew I had to get that in there. And my second favorite thing from Star Trek Next Gen is the Borg. So this is like the perfect combination. Rebecca had been talking about wanting to do Q stuff too. And so it was like a perfect coming together that you, you know, you're like, Hey, I want to do this one. And she's like, Hey, we want to, we want to do cover some Q episodes. And it just came together and it was wonderful. The stars aligned. Yes. And here we are. The Star <laughs> Trek's aligned. Oh, I see oh. what you did there. The Star Trek's aligned. <laughs> so this is episode 16 of season two. So we're still like in the, um, uh, adult onesies territory here. it was directed by rob bowman and it was written by maurice hurley i don't have any information about those people but well what's 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 interesting about maurice hurley is you know he he was brought on to be an executive producer of star trek he was on i think through seasons one and two but he basically had zero um, interest in science fiction or Star Trek. He like did a lot of work with like Miami Vice. So what? I know. I wish so, I had looked him up now, but thank you. <laughs> he uh, pretty much thought Gene Roddenberry was insane and thought that Denise Crosby was the worst actress on the planet. I mean, he was a character. He was a real, real character. And if you watch the documentary, um, I think it's called Chaos on the Bridge. Um, I might have that title wrong. They um, they do talk to him. He's in that documentary. I think he's since passed on. But Maurice Hurley, what a character! That guy was. Uh, yeah, he was. He's wild. <laughs> okay, if you find out there are words to the Star Trek song theme song, you know that is crazy. Yes, 
Mm-hmm. And as for Denise Crosby, excuse me if people like him and the uh, and the writers who wrote season one, you know, had written her better material. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't think Denise Crosby's a terrible actress. I think she did the best she could do with what they gave her in season one. Yeah. And, you know, she felt like, what the heck am I even doing on this show? I, I, they, they've got me saying hailing frequencies open. Like, that's all I do. So... I get it. I get why she wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, Ma- uh, Maurice Hurley, a character. Uh, so, yeah. What a card. Oh, no. <laughs> he definitely is a card. <laughs> <laughs> so this original air date was May 8th, 1989. And something that was interesting is that just a few days before is when the first syndicated episode was aired. So, they would only been, I mean, they'd only been on the air for a season and like three quarters or a half or whatever, and then they were being syndicated to other places. And this isn't even like, I feel like people get, people's shows get canceled after a season when the shows are better than this first season of The Next Generation, you know? So, Mm -hmm. like... Oh, I'm so glad that they did that because it went on and it became amazing. And then uh, Beverly had sex with a ghost because we always have to bring so it up. Oh, gross. That's the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but it is. <laughs> um, but I think, too, like, like season two of Star Trek Next Gen was when there was a writer's strike in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they didn't have great scripts. They mm-hmm. were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for some of the episodes but then season two you also get amazing episodes like measure of a man Mm -hmm. you get q who Mm um i don't know the episode that follows this the one that introduces us to the packlids um i actually really like that episode not everybody does but um i don't know i like the packlids they they look for things things to make them go like i just i love those guys i love those guys that's for the kidnapped jordy right yeah yeah that's okay. what they kidnapped. <laughs> jordy is our friend he will help us go like i just love those guys like you know they don't they're they're simple people but uh, they're still in space <laughs> simple people in space yes <laughs> don't worry about rebecca <laughs> Pretty about sorry about Rebecca, really. What are you going in space? I fit right in with the Packlids, really. (laughs) Oh man, I started watching that one after because I watched this twice. You know, usually whenever I do the notes, I'll watch it and kind of make little like handwritten notes in my book, and then I'll go back and type it up. But I'll do it scene by scene. And I started, and I was like, oh wait, no, I have to go back and do this again. (laughs) Because I started watching that one. I was like, no, stop it. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of the writer's strike, this episode was originally supposed to be part of the uh, neutral zone story from the first episode. And the Borg, you know, we're going to, because they just sort of mention things being destroyed, but we don't know who and all that kind of thing. And then it got all turned around and everything because of the writer's strike. I think it was only like a couple days from the time that they needed it to the time that they started recording. <laughs> they turned the script oh, around. Oh, wow. Thanks. Um, wow. Let me, see, let me see if I... 
it says the revised final draft script was February 24th, and the filming began on February 27th. Wow, that is like, that is very close. That's almost like never happened right. either. Like, usually those scripts get polished, you know. But, yeah, they just basically threw it together. And But, I mean, we got a really great episode mm-hmm. here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, spoilers for how I feel about it. It's a really great episode. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you chose it, Mark, because this is a, it's an important episode, like, for Star Trek going forward. But it's also just, in general, a really good episode, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, so I got surprised that no one picked it yet. So It was initially conceived by Maurice Hurley as a race of, insectoids mm. insects right <laughs> instead of what we have as the board um and he had planned it for season one with the neutral zone to be the first part in a trilogy that would introduce an entirely new threat to the federation introducing mm. a plot point the federation and romulan starbases along the romulan neutral zone had been mysteriously wiped out this was intended to lead to a series of episodes that would have introduced the Borg as a main villain in the wake of the Ferengi's failure to meet the audience expectations of a major Starfleet antagonist. I don't know why. I'm, really, Ferengi, come on, guys. Well, you mean space Jews? I mean, it couldn't have been oh, any more obvious yes. that they were making that connection. It oh. was pretty, yeah. pretty blatant, you know. That's true. That's true. I didn't think about that. It's, uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Fortunately, the Writers Guild strike of 1988 prevented this from coming to fruition. Uh, Let me skip all this part in the parentheses. Hurley finally got to proceed with his planned sequel with Q-Who, although only one passing reference was made of the strange destruction of the outposts referred to in the neutral zone by Data, stating it is identical to what happened to the outposts along the neutral zone. Which is almost exactly what they said in that sentence. So, <laughs> Melinda Snodgrass said that Maurice Hur- Hurley always thought Q was here to teach us a lesson and to guide us and instruct us. She said that in the 50 year mission, the next 25 years book. <laughs> I think Q was just here to annoy everybody, especially Picard. <laughs> right, yeah. Lots of great tidbits there, Brooke. That was some interesting stuff there. I know I can read. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell time today, but I can read. Hey, listen. One of those things is okay. That's it. Thought that's what you can do today. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, as we've already hinted to, since this is a Q episode, uh, we have John Delancey come back as Q. Call Meanie as O'Brien, beeping and booping. <laughs> we have Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. Yeah. So many guest stars in I this know. episode. And, and it's like, Lycia Naff as Ensign Sonia Gomez. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that person. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> I put her in my notes as Selena Gomez because I thought that would be a funny joke. <laughs> But then um, I, I forgot to say it there. Anyway. Um, do you have any notes on uh, the character of, of Sonia Gomez? If not, I, I have a little tidbit for you. Please. Oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so originally this character was going to be introduced as an ongoing love interest for Jordy. And there is actually um, a cut scene from – she appears in, I think, one other episode – and there is a scene where you see her and Jordy talking and walking, and 
um, the scene kind of turns into like a flirtatious banter, and then she goes with him into his quarters. You know, where, where we're left to assume that they had, you know, sexy times. Perfect. I don't like that. <laughs> I know. It, 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 there's a lot. There's a lot problematic with that. He's older. He's her boss, and all that. But uh, which is not really an. Appro- it's not an appropriate relationship. But this character was introduced, and she was actually meant to be semi regular. Um, and then she didn't. I guess the character didn't test well. People didn't really respond to her, and so they dropped her. But she was originally supposed to be a recurring character as a love interest for Jordy. Um, but instead we only get like one or two episodes of Sonia Gomez, uh, so, who, I almost said Selena Gomez myself, um, (laughs) uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a little, just a little tidbit there about the character. I'm offended because someone based her character on me and didn't even, like, mention (laughs) anything about it. Like, she's so like me, and it's so funny, but I'm glad that, uh, she's, uh, Latinx, because, you know. I'm just a boy, yeah. white person. Um, <laughs> otherwise, besides being talkative and clumsy, um, I mean, you know, and uh, I have a degree in math, so I'm almost smart like she is. Anyway, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I had actually had that bit in my notes, so that's that's really funny because you know it's like some people don't don't find me interesting after a while either, so. <laughs> Oh, well, that's not us. They don't... We still find you very interesting. Thank you. Not everyone responds well to, to me. Um... No, I, I was reading your notes when I saw the part being based on you. I totally giggled. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Uh, lame jokes. Um, all right. Let's really jump into this then. Um, so the synopsis, Q tries to prove... That Picard needs him on the crew. <laughs> I thought I could read. I can't right now. <clears throat> Q tries to prove that Picard needs him on the crew by hurling the Enterprise seventy thousand light years away, where they first encounter the Borg. Oops, you know, <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> so the first scene, you know, we have the obligatory shot uh, of the Enterprise. Um, then we're outside engineering. We meet uh, Ensign Sonia Gomez, and I almost said Selena because I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> uh, she's getting hot chocolate from a replicator. Uh, Jordy comes by, and he's making fun of her because she said please to the replicator. And I mean, come on, that's I was like, that's definitely Jordy's flirting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, she. Yeah. Well, I think her comeback is great because she's like. Uh, a little simple courtesy can combat the dehumanizing effect of working with artificial intelligence all day. It's like, ooh, yeah, you tell him, girl. <laughs> so, you know, Jordy makes a comment on her being so new and then, but freely giving her opinions already. Um, you know, and she's, she's worried that she's talking too much and then she does talk too much and then Jordy's like, trying to ignore her and do his work. <laughs> um, and then he kind of warns her about the hot chocolate, like, maybe you don't want it around the control stations. Uh, and she's like, oh, I forgot, because we were just talking, and I had it in my hand. And I'm like, same girl, same. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, what I want to know is why? Why haven't they 
in okay, 350 years time or whatever, why did haven't they created something, these computers that won't get fried by liquid, number one? Because everybody needs to stay hydrated, even if they're working in engineering. And number two, why? Why is there an... A replicator right there in engineering that'll allow you to get food and drink. Shouldn't it be farther away? Or, like, in a contained, like, room? Come on. No, I, I agree. I, that was like my exact thought. I'm like, why is there a vending machine there if you can't have your drinks? Yeah, it's like, okay, let's let's uh, replicate a bolt or something. But we don't need, like, an actual vending, you know, we don't need a food replicator because, you know... Jordy's going to tell people not to have it around the machinery because he doesn't like the Enterprise to be sticky when everyone's gone. He's the only one that makes it sticky. (laughs) Oh, yes, that is true. He was in love with the Enterprise. I would say, why doesn't that replicator give you your beverage in a to-go cup with a lid? Right? Like, you know when you take your coffee on the road with you and you put it in a to-go cup? With a screw-on lid so it doesn't leak. Why doesn't that replicator give you your beverage in that instead of just an open mug? Like, that that would make sense. All of that stuff gets recycled anyway. So, why does it matter? What is the point in giving it to her in a glass? I I wish I had thought of that. I didn't even think of that. And really, and the other question is, where are the marshmallows? She's got hard chocolate, no marshmallows? What's up? Yeah, somebody to reprogram the replicator to put marshmallows in the hot chocolate. That's why she was not appealing to to uh, the audience, because she did not have marshmallows in her hot chocolate. And she didn't specifically ask for Mexican hot chocolate, because it's better. <laughs> it, is better. <laughs> it, it, it is better, yes. Anyway, so she says that she's going to go finish it, you know, over here, you know, out of the way. And um, she turns around... And runs right into Picard. It spills all over him. And (laughs) she starts rubbing his chest trying to dry him off. And in my notes after that, I wrote, get it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) She's just, you know, rubbing him down. Keep going. That's hilarious. Anyway, (laughs) uh, so she's talking to him and she's still, not only did she spill her drink all over, she still puts her foot in her mouth because she's like, I just want to do everything I can to take care of my ship. I mean, your ship. I mean, our ship. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and then this is where I made the note about this is me. I mean, all except for the, the hot chocolate deal. I very much have marshmallows in my hot chocolate. Yeah, this is this is one of those scenes where you have like, um, where like you're like, uh, what's that called when it's like it's not happening to you so you're not embarrassed for yourself but you're like third party embarrassed like you're you're uncomfortable because you know that the other person has embarrassed themselves and then like Jordy is uh, he doesn't even know what to say he's just like oh my god and he's telling the captain it's my fault you know I shouldn't let her do it and blah 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 and you know and Picard's just like getting more and more like I cannot believe this is happening to mm-hmm. me today and yeah, it's it's like, but he's being so nice and British about it. 
uh, uh, excuse me, French. Yes. yes. <laughs> British slash French. <laughs> I call that secondhand embarrassment, but I don't know if that's really what it's called. I'm sure the Germans have an actual word for it. Oh, yeah. They have that, that, that yeah, they have that word for everything. But, like, I think secondhand embarrassment is the right term. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I, I was embarrassed for her. I was. It's, it's a little cringy, that opening scene, because it's just so, like, uh, it's just so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy it because it's, um, even though it's embarrassing, it's great because it shows that there are real people that work there and do uh, embarrassing things. <laughs> uh, besides have sex with a ghost. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to bring it up again. <laughs> so then we follow Picard as he's heading to his quarters to get a new uniform or clean up or whatever and he gets on the turbo lift and we find out um that the crew quarters are on deck nine which i don't know if i'd ever noticed that before because i've never had to break it down like this uh, <laughs> but when the door opens he's not on deck nine he is in shuttle number six uh picard sees a crewman and he asks what's going on here and it turns around and it's q and in the notes i wrote wearing a season two starfleet onesie just like everybody else. As you can imagine, Picard is thoroughly annoyed that Q is there. Uh, you know, Q uh, makes fun of him for the stains on his uniform, and he clears it up for him. Picard's like, uh, didn't I tell you I didn't want you on my ship ever again? Or whatever he says. And Q's kind of like, uh, well, we're not. We're real far away. Ta-da! <laughs> Surprise! That's like Q's thing. Surprise! Uh, yeah. He just doesn't say it. I, I, I just love how he's like, uh, oh, but I'm not on your ship. We're nowhere near your ship, actually. And it's just like, it's like that, it's, he's so cheeky about it. It's one of the great uh, things about the character. Yeah, Q's way of saying surprise, like, excited like that is, oh, Picard, you don't know anything. Look around. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, Q's just such an awesome character. I love whenever he shows up. I love how, like, over the top he is. It's just, it's perfect because he's supposed to be, like, this being, you know, this eternal entity or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so he's got, he's had a lot, he's lived a long life. I guess he has a life. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's what they call it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so he, he can have some theatrics. That's cool. You gotta keep it fresh. I mean, and they got such a great uh, character actor to play this mm -hmm. part. I mean, John Delancey, he's been acting for decades, and, you know, he's he's always like that real character actor who just, he gets into the character, he plays it a little bit over the top, um, makes it playful, a little whimsical sometimes, and, um, yeah, so seeing him in this role again and again as Q, as he appears, you know, over the years, all the different seasons of Trek. Mm -hmm. Um he's just so good in this. Mm -hmm. I, I really love his 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 uh, performance as this character. So next scene we have the introduction, as always, with our theme song and all. Um and space, final frontier, all that good stuff. Uh so the next scene we have is Jordy and Gomez. They're uh doing sort of an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk and, you know, he says that he read her thesis, and that's why he knew that she was the best at what she does, and, you know, doing his 
weird kind of flirting, I guess. And um, she's like, where are we going? I'm thinking, why did you start walking with him somewhere if you didn't know where you were going? Like, this is how bad things happen. <laughs> um, and he says they're heading to 10 Forward to forget about work and everything that happened that day because she needs to slow down. And let me tell you, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me I need to slow down, I probably would not have any debt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's more in insight into my unfortunate personality. Um. <laughs> this scene actually, when you think about like knowing that they wanted to like bring this character back multiple times and really expand on her character and, and make her like a, a more of a frequent guest star, you know, they just give us a little like in insight into her character. Like she's so driven. She wants to be the best because she wants to be on the Enterprise, and and she wants to be the first to find the new things, and she wants to be the first to explore, and like what a great, what a great, nice character. Um, it's a shame that we don't get more of that, but I enjoy this little peek into her personality. I wouldn't have minded her being around and being like this more often. It's just the fact that she was also like love interest for Jordy. It's like. Men and women can be friends. I totally get where you're coming from. And I didn't clap on the right beats. I'm just awful today, you all. Thank you for sticking around. <laughs> if you stuck around this long. These two, they have to. <laughs> we want to stick around. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to Star Trek. You know, we don't see them walk into 10 Forward. We're, all of a sudden, we're in 10 Forward. We see Guinan. She's talking to somebody at the bar. And then she gets this look like, what's going on? You know, she's. She's almost like the, uh, like that reacting squirrel or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, dramatic. Yes. Dramatic cancer. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's like, well, we can see Jordy and Gomez off in the distance. They're talking in a booth. Um, and then Guinan, she's like, Guinan to bridge. And Rikers, Rikers says, uh, yeah. Like he's weirded out that she's like calling him. And, you know, she wants to know if there's anything wrong. Or out of the ordinary. And, you know, to Riker, her calling the bridge is the thing that's out of the ordinary. Like, right now, he thinks everything's going fine, you know. Uh, Picard is in his quarters. He finds out le soon that that's not necessarily the case. So, um, but, you know, she wants to know if they find out anything. So, since we, the audience, know that Picard is not there and that there is something out of the ordinary, we go back to the shuttle. We see Picard... He's trying to contact the Enterprise and do all these different things. And Q's like, they'll never think to look this far for you. Uh, Picard's like, take take us back. Take me back. Let's go back. And Q calls him petulant because he's like, I just want to discuss some business. Like, listen to me. And, of course, Picard won't have any of it. So then when we go back to 10 Forward, instead of being with Guinan, we're with Jordy and Gomez we're with all the G's, and we see Guinan off, like, in the distance. We've got the little chit-chat, and then Jordy kind of stops, and he's like, Guinan, uh, is everything okay? She doesn't, she just doesn't have an answer. So, Jordy is like, uh, I should probably go back to engineering. Gomez is like, I'll come with you. Uh, I don't have any hot chocolate in my hand this time. And so, you know, they, they head off. Then, we go to the bridge, and Troy enters looking for a card. I mean, no one knows that he's actually missing now. Like Riker's like, oh, he's in his quarters, man. And so then he asks the computer where Picard is. And it's like, Captain Picard is not on the ship. 
And then Worf notices that one of the shuttles is missing. He tries to hail it. There's no answer. Uh, Riker calls for an off stop so they can scan for the shuttle. So I don't know how they could do this because I don't think they can, like, just stop in space. Like, they would still have momentum if they have the technology so that they can completely stop in space. And they don't have technology to keep you from spilling your drink. Yeah, I mean... In theory, even if they, quote-unquote, stopped the ship, the ship would keep moving forward because an object in motion tends to stay in motion, um, unless acted on an outside force. That's the smartest thing I know how to say, so <laughs> you're welcome. And also, This is like, Rebecca's technobabble that is also true. It's, but it's like the yeah. smartest thing I know. It really is. I don't know anything better than that. But when they do stuff like... Oh, this is like, this is the border of like, like Romulan space or whatever. Space is infinite on, on all levels. It cannot possibly be a straight line border. You could go up infinite number of miles. Is that still the border? Like, it's, it's just silly. But yes, all stop. Okay. Sure. What you threw the anchor out? I don't know how they stopped the ship. I really don't. <laughs> like, do they do something so that it sort of hovers in one place like a helicopter? Like they have... I mean, they basically stopped the warp engines, yeah. but that shouldn't bring the ship to a halt. Mark, I mean, are you smarter than us, Mark? Do you know no, stuff? No, I mean... No, I, I, I've never <laughs> taken a warp theory. I'm okay. Sorry. That's all right. I'll forgive you. <laughs> I don't know how impulse engines work either, so. Yeah. <laughs> did you, did you skip it and take that, uh, that space plant growing class instead of your elective? Uh, no, I, I have, I took culinary art, so. Oh, okay. I'd, I'd okay. be, I'd be working with Guinan, more slacking and 10 forward. Okay. Uh, okay. now my niece, we get my niece on here, she actually is an aerospace engineer, so she might know. Oh, she knows stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Alright, we'll ask her later. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll text her up. She's just, you know, she's probably still busy college. She's trying to finish up her last year, so. Ah, uh, okay. Nice. nice. They do this all stop, and then Riker does his, like, techno-jargon babble stuff to Data. Well, and to Wisp, uh, about how to search for the scan for the shuttle. Data is an android. He figured that out, like, two years ago. Come on. What are you doing? Why does he have to explain how to do it to the android? Is he just doing this for Wes's benefit? That could be. We get a first officer's log, and we get a star date, and it's it We love happy. star date. It's star date 42761.3. So that's Thursday, January 28th, 2365, and it's 11.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we find that Picard has been gone for six hours. Uh, they don't know how he left or if he is actually on the missing shuttle, but they just assume that he is. But they haven't found him or the shuttle, and they've been flying in circles and scanning in circles and, and all of that. So back to the shuttle, we have Picard. He's sitting with his arms crossed. He looks crossed himself um and q is uh bouncing a ball because you know he's bored uh, <laughs> and he tells, my question is yes was he bouncing that ball for six hours and that's why picard's just pissy with him the i say maybe he started with something else that wasn't bothering picard as much and he just gradually got up to a ball like maybe he was just tapping his finger or a pin or something and Picard was ignoring it, and then finally he decided bouncing a ball would do it. Knowing Q, he started bouncing that ball as, and saw how annoyed Picard was, and then just kept on doing it. Yeah. Like that's, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. that's 
how it went down. He doesn't. He doesn't have a, a wind up. He goes right into it, doesn't he? That's oh right. yeah, that's true. <laughs> zero to sixty with Q. So he tells Picard that they can stay there forever because he's ageless. He's like, well, what are we going to do this for months or years or you know? And uh, here he calls him Picard, which is hilarious because it's sometimes he says he talks so fast that he doesn't say it like that. Doesn't say Picard. Sometimes he just says Picard. Um, but you know when he's really like laying into Picard about something, I love that he says Picard, Picard. And um, uh, also, I like when he calls him El Capitan because he does that later, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yes, sure, yeah. I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> Picard gets up. And, you know, he's finally had enough, and he tells Q, the Enterprise will go on without me, with Riker as the captain. He, like, he's been sitting there stewing this whole time. The fact that he thinks Q wants to just ruin the Enterprise, I guess? He thinks that the, the ship will go on and martyr himself for that, I guess. Q calls him stubborn, and then asks again to talk. Finally, Picard agrees, and uh, Q transports them back to the Enterprise, and Picard looks around, and it's ten forward. So it looks like it's empty whenever Picard looks around, and then all of a sudden, Guinan jumps up from behind the bar. On the bridge, Worf gets a notification that the shuttle has returned. Like, oh, hey! No, it's the door didn't open. It's like, oh, it's there. I was just kidding. It wasn't missing. Um, and then Riker's like, computer, where's Captain Picard? Captain Picard is in 10 forward. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I love this because the camera zooms in on Riker's face, and he kind of starts to do the Riker smirk, but then it kind of goes into the, mmm, you know, knowing sort of look. And I don't know if that was part of the direction or if that was, like, Jonathan Frake's interpretation or what, but I don't know. It just very seems very Riker-y to me. <laughs> um, so then he walks out and kind of, like, you know, motions to Worf uh, to, like, this orchestral crescendo because they're going to a commercial break. I, I think Riker's smart enough to know when all this weird shit's happening, mm-hmm. that is probably Q. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure if it was like, that was his sort of interpretation of it, that facial expression, or if it was, that's what he was directed to do. You know, as an actual actor, not oh. as Riker. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Like, it was probably know. written in there that Riker, like, oh, Riker gets a look of acknowledgement or something, I don't know. We're in 10 forward... Guinan and Q and they're arguing and we actually find out that they've known each other about each other for centuries because Q offers to get rid of her. <laughs> Q says trouble follows Guinan everywhere and Picard's like, I think you're thinking about yourself, buddy. Q starts to tell his plan when Riker and Worf come in and Q is like, oh, Riker, uh, and then he's like, oh, and microbrain to Worf. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And he, he begs him to growl for him. Like, show me that you still care. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just one quick thing that I wanted to bring up about Guinan and Q. They really bring up in this episode that Guinan has, like, maybe some kind of powers? Because she, like, takes this, like, weird stance against Q he's genuinely like yeah he he throws his hands up like he's gonna defend himself yeah like there's about to be a fight in 10 forward between two super beings she does like the claw hands i forgot yeah and um it's really odd because they like imply that she's got some kind of power that could potentially take on q or at least 
hold her ground against you. Um, but it like never gets brought up ever again about kind nope. about Guinan and Q. Nothing ever again. Like we've always known that Guinan is her race lives a long time, and they're a race of listeners, and they take what they listen and what they learn, and they use that in everyday life. But they've never mentioned like her being psychic or having powers and like and several times this episode she just like she knows what's happening before it happens yeah it's it's definitely implied that she has some kind of ability but we don't ever see it like ever in any episode of anything ever like we don't ever get that so i i always wondered like why they would introduce this sort of thread and then just have it go nowhere i, I don't know it's just it's like one of those weird things of like what was she going to do to defend herself against Q? She was going to do some sort of Klingon jiu-jitsu or something. We, the only thing we do ever get is that she can tell when things are different and wrong, when they're not the way they're supposed to be. But if her kind has been pays so close attention to everything and listens to everything, you know, like, they've... they've uh, evolved to be able to like even listen to like things that normal people don't hear like when something is off or whatever i would let she knew the cue was there i have no idea what she was gonna do i would have liked to have seen it though <laughs> oh yeah for sure and he calls her an imp i don't understand like where that comes from is she does she have powers i don't know certainly like when we see her in like yesterday's e- enterprise she is aware that there's something wrong with the timeline. But again, like, that's never really completely explained either. I guess you just have to chalk it up to the fact that she's an Allurian and she's got powers that, like, we don't really know, I guess. So this is where Q decides to tell them he wants to join as a crew member. He says he's willing and able and ready to serve. Picard is like, willing and able and ready to serve like he's really confused q goes on to mention how the enterprise is home to indigent unwanted unworthy and so as a homeless entity he could find a place there and so then for like a microsecond people are like oh the continuum continuum kicked you out now you're homeless and then no one ever speaks of it again (laughs) Yeah, I think that, that that actually comes up in a later episode, yes. right? Yeah. When he on here yeah. on this episode, they don't ever, you know, whenever he no, you're absolutely the end, right. Not like, yeah, yeah. Go back to your cardboard box or something. That no, not that they go say. back to your cardboard box. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Homelessness is not a joke, you guys. Even though I made a joke, but it was about Q, who's not who's a fictional it's character. Not okay? actually, he's as far right. from being helpless as anybody. So yeah. No, that's a, it, it, it's a joke. It's okay. <laughs> I just love how Q is laying it on so thick about how, oh, you, you, I, I will, I'll do anything that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work, I'll be here and I'll work really hard and, and maybe I will keep my powers, you know, kind of stuff. And they're like, I, I don't know. And, he keeps going on about how he has so much fun with them and he belongs there. And you you see Guinan get more and more agitated because she definitely doesn't want him around. Picard's just like, nah, bro, we don't trust you. So I like how I'm talking for them the way Rebecca does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, dude, that's not going to work. That's a no from me, dog. That's not going to happen. <laughs> 
and Picard's like, you know, we we go out and find new life forms and all this stuff. And he's like, we can do this. We're ready. We can do this. And Q's just like, you, dude, you're so not ready. You don't even know what you're about to come across. Q says that they're moving too fast. And, you know, he's kind of talks to Guinan in this point because, you know, she's been around for a long time and he's been around for a long time and they... And apparently humans or the Federation or someone is going faster than they predicted, I guess. Somewhere Picard says learning information about Q is provocative. And then Q goes on about how much fun he has with them and how he's missed them. And that's where he needs to be and all that stuff. In order to show them the craziness they have to look forward to, and he just snaps his fingers, and all of a sudden they're 7,000 light years away. Data calculates it. They're more than two years away at full speed from the nearest star base. And then Q, like, pieces out. He's like, bye, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and Guinan's like, we need to get out of here now. Like, don't even wait around. Just go. I definitely want to ask uh, what you think about something that happens in 10 forward. So when, when Q is saying that, you know, there's all these crazy, terrible things out here in deep space. You don't know uh, what awaits you. Uh, you can't handle it. And Picard says, well, we're ready. We'll, we'll adapt. We'll, uh, he, he basically says that anything that comes their way, they can handle. And Q says, Oh, the arrogance. And in his mind, he's teaching Picard a lesson to, like, kind of knock him down a peg. So my question for both of you is, um, do you think Picard's statement is arrogant when he says that they are ready to encounter whatever is out there? Is that arrogant? Or is that, would you say, is that more him being naive to the true horrors that could be out there. I, I'm I'm interested to know what you what you both think about that. Rebecca with the hard hitting questions. I know. <laughs> this is what I uh, do. I ask the hard questions. Well, first of all, I've never thought of it that way. Uh, I, I, I guess it is just, it's just arrogance, uh, you know, because they've dealt with so many things before. They dealt with you know the Romulans and the Klingons and all the other species, and here they are exploring more, just going deeper into space. And with uh, Q saying, like, you don't even know what you ha- what you're up against. And then Picard's like, we can deal with it. Whatever we can do, we can take care of ourselves. And Q's like, well, you know what? I'm going to show you a real challenge. And you know, the reason why I even ask this question is because so many times in the in the Picard series that we reviewed, there were numerous instances where people said to Jean Luc Picard's face that he was arrogant that he had a big ego, even that scene with the Admiral where she says, you know, the sheer effing hubris of him just to walk in there and want stuff. Um, so it, it kind of asked that question of, is Picard really that arrogant? Or, looking back now, what we know about him that happens in Picard, is this a moment that the characters look back on and go, yeah, that was arrogance? on his part to think that we could handle whatever it's that that's kind of what my thought process was when I thought about this question. So what I think is you have to be a little bit arrogant to be a captain in 
the Federation or an admiral or whatever because you you have to go to the far reaches of the universe and find all these you know cultures and species and do all this stuff and not let your crew see you worry about things. So you have to have a little bit of that. To Picard's fault, in Picard, he didn't have any more power, so he tried to use the power that he did not have anymore, and so he was just very hubris and arrogant, and because he was used to doing that in order to get things done, but he's not in charge of anything anymore, so there's no reason. But I watched Doctor Who... And something that Guinan said reminded me of something that the doctor says. Like, she mentioned how they adapt and overcome. And I think she was talking more about humans than just necessarily, like, the Federation. Because there's so many other... There's other species and other beings that are in the Federation. But it's mostly comprised of humans. You know, they're all, like, humanoid. But most of the majority are actual, like, humans of some sort. You know, she says, you know, they adapt, overcome, and that's something the doctor says whenever some sort of new monster comes to Earth and tries to take over, and they're like, well, we'll come back, and the doctor will usually say something like, you know, that's the thing about humans, or that's the thing about Earth, is that they always come back with something. They adapt, and they change, and they work it out, and I, I do feel like that is true of the human race. Maybe it's more I'm just seeing that that's why Guinan was specifically pointing towards humans saying that because I feel like that is something we are good at, but unfortunately it usually takes something really terrible for everybody to come together for something. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Currently, in this century, the 23rd century, or wait, 24th, I guess. Mm-hmm. I can't see the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it was some arrogance, but like I said, I feel like you have to have you have to have some effing hubris in order to uh to command a ship of thousands of people to go some of them may won't even get to see these planets or meet any of these new people. Mm-hmm. You know? And you've gotta you've gotta be able to command them. It doesn't work with someone who is too meek. No, I I, I think you have a very valid point there about how you do need a certain level of arrogance to be good at your job as a Starfleet captain. Um, but I, I think, in, for me personally, in, in this instance, Picard, I think, is, is expressing a mixture of, like, a little overconfidence, a little almost complacency of, like, well, look how much of our own galaxy we've already explored and we're still here. Whatever the galaxy is going to throw at us, we could totally handle it. And and it's almost as if he's <clears throat> thinking they've already faced the worst, right? Because they're look, look how far they've come. And I get Q's read on it as arrogance because in, in Q's mind, how dare this mortal human think he knows better than Q. I'm going to show him how much he knows and boom, sends him to meet the board. I do think it's a very interesting, almost like a character study of Picard and Q. And I think it, it kind of comes full circle later on when they're being pursued by the board and Q kind of draws out of Picard for him to say, Q, I need you. And to admit that there are things that they can't handle. And I think that that's like the full circle moment to this moment in in Ten Forward. I can see that. I don't know. I feel like I was kind of getting a little bit that he was, maybe not, he wasn't 
as complacent as you think he was. But mm-hmm. I can definitely see your point of view on that because it was almost Q gets on his nerves and he wants he doesn't want to show any kind of weakness to Q, right? Because he wants him to just go away and leave them alone. I definitely see how Q sees it. You know, I understand that. I totally get how he thinks it's arrogant because he actually knows. You know what's oh, out there. Oh, sure. That was a good discussion. Yeah. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah. Thanks, Rebecca, for giving us the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get another captain's log. It's still star date four two seven six one, but it's point three, so that means it is five twenty-three p.m. Uh, still, like I said, January twenty-eighth, twenty-three sixty-five. So, as last we had, Guinan was like, "Don't." You need to hightail it out of here. Get the heck out of Dodge. Come on, let's go. Picard's like, nah, we got this. So here definitely is where his uh, arrogance and all kind of probably gets the best of him. Because it's like, ah, you know, it's uh, there's a planet. There's an M-class planet. Whatever is what they say. You know, he goes out to search. He just wants to check things out. Um, This planet, I mean, it's still there. Uh, but that's about it. Like, you know, it's not been blown up like Alderaan because I needed a Star Wars reference, you guys. <laughs> but it's been destroyed otherwise, you know, because the Borg had come through and just ripped everything up just like they did on the undefined border <laughs> of the neutral zone. You can define borders in space, but you can't keep your computer from dying if you spill hot chocolate on it. <laughs> Very true. This is going to be my, my Tasha Yar soapbox until uh, for this episode. <laughs> It's like every time I have a soapbox, I'm going to call it a Tasha Yar soapbox from now on, I think. <laughs> they, like, find out they're being probed, and then they zoom in, and, oh, it's some sort of cube. Oh, that's a ship. And it's like, well, Captain, there's no indication of life, you know. And uh, Picard's like, hail them, and, of course, no one responds. Um, he tells Guinan to look on her view screen. I mean, even though she was looking out the actual window at it, but I don't know if she just so she could zoom in or what. Yeah, I thought that was really odd. She could see what's happening. Yeah. Of course, it looks bigger while she's looking at it out the window than it did on their view screen until they zoomed in. But anyway, so she identifies them as the Borg. So, you know, dun, dun, dun. Like, it, all we know now, the Borg is terrible. I think this is one that I watched later. So I already knew who the Borg were. Because I don't remember being like, oh, oh, what's this, you know, kind of thing. But do, you know, either one of you remember seeing it and not knowing who the Borg were yet? I think it was like eight or nine when this episode came out. Right. So I was seeing it, I'd be like, Borg? What, what, what's a Borg? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I watched this live. I'm trying to remember. I was a little, I'm older than you, Mark, by a couple of years. So I was a little bit older than, than you were when this came out. But I, I remember, like, watching this episode live. And I remember, like, being intrigued, certainly. And then, of course, when they go on board the Borg ship, I think that's, like, the really most interesting part of this whole episode. Because when you watch it now, knowing who the Borg are and how they act, they haven't changed much. They ignore them because they're not important to what they're doing. But they're terrifying looking, like to see them for the first time, you know, what they, they've got machines sticking out of their face, they've got, you know, things coming out of their arms, and they just look completely soulless. Like, at, watching this live, it, it was definitely very creepy. And then, of course, the ending where, you know, Picard 
hints or, or, or Guinan helps Picard realize that now that the Borg know that they're out there, they'll be coming for them. You know, at that moment, you're like, oh, we're going to see these guys again. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be horrible. Yeah. So two things. One, more terrifying are the Borg babies. And we'll get to that. But <laughs> yes. Two, um, you said that, you know, they look soulless and everything. And I was reading that Michael Westmore, that he gave them like a zombie like sort of color. So yeah. that they would know that they couldn't be reasoned with or negotiated with and that there's no life left in them at all. Yeah, I mean, they definitely are like a zombie. And I think that also makes sense when you're watching this for the first time or as the, the show goes on, if they are like zombies, like we all know zombies can't be reasoned with, right? They're the undead. I just want to eat brains. Like, that's all they do. <laughs> they're like a cross between zombies and Frankenstein's monster because they're kind of parts, but then, whereas if you've read the book Frankenstein, he can talk. He's not quite like a zombie, but so they act a little more like zombies. But Well, and I think, too, the idea of once they get into how the Borg are a hive mind and there's no individuality, I mean, that's terrifying. It really is scary. Um... To think that, like, you don't have a voice, like, you have no control over your body, you have, you can't exercise free will, like, you are, you are enslaved to the hive mind, and, I mean, it's terrifying, it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's like, oh, you broke your arm, we've got to cut it off and give you a new one. Yeah, for real. No, it's just like, here you go, (laughs) you know? Uh, Pretty much. In engineering, we see Jordy beeping and booping, and a Borg materializes behind him. He stares at it for the longest time, then gets closer, then calls security. And of course, that's like a cliffhanger for a commercial break right there. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, is it going to kill him? And we come back to engineering to find out the Borg is just checking things out. He's just, you know, figuring out what's going on. Um, something I hadn't noticed until I was pausing this scene by scene, which is funny because I've seen this, you know, three or four times or whatever, uh, that all of the, the engineering crew is huddled in the back over where, like, where the warp drive and stuff. Anyway, but we have Picard and Worf and some security guys come in and they go past them and they're all, like, just huddled in the back. <laughs> And poor Jordy is over here just staring at this Borg. Jordy, you know, lets him know it's just kind of surveying things. Q appears next to Picard. And this bit, he's sort of whispering in Picard's ear like he's the little devil on his shoulder or whatever. (laughs) Picard's like, you know, who are you? What do you want? We mean no harm. And Q's just all like, he doesn't care. (laughs) They only want your technology. They don't care anything about you. The Borg continues to ignore them, and then Worf is like, Ensign, and like, makes him go over there. And poor guy, he's got one dot, poor guy, and he has to go over there to this Borg and just gets taken out immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, this was a original track kitty wearing a red shirt. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I was so sad. And I put in my notes, the Borg ain't bothered. So if you've, if any of you uh, know the Catherine Tate show, which probably not a lot of you do, she does a skit where she's like a teenage girl at, at a 
school and she's like i ain't bothered all the time and i love that <laughs> so if you get that virtual high five <laughs> and if you don't maybe you should watch it because i think it's really funny so then wharf is like i'm gonna stun this guy with my phaser and nothing happens it's like shoe fly don't bother me and so then he like sets it to kill or whatever i guess and shoots the borg again and it and it falls over onto the ground, you know, with smoking hole in its chest or whatever. And all of a sudden, another one shows up. And I can all, I, I cannot imagine the feeling of watching this for the first time and not knowing the Borg. And then all of a sudden, like, you see one of them dies and then, boom, one's there again. Another one is there, you know? Mm-hmm. The exact same thing. Like, he's just ignoring people and everything. And so the... And then that uh, Worf tries to phaser this one, and it's already adapted, and a little shield pops up whenever he shoots at it, so it doesn't hurt him. And then he just takes the good stuff off the other Borg, and they're both beamed off, and they're gone. They've done whatever they've come to look for, and like that, I can't... This is, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I wish I could forget this series so I could go back and watch it again. But, like, there's so many cool, iconic things that happen in Star Trek that I would love to not know anything about it and go back and be able to watch it. Oh, yeah. I know I talk about Star Wars all the time, and I adore Star Wars. Maybe I would want to go back and find out for the first time that Vader is Luke's dad, and that's not a spoiler because it's been... He is? Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Oh, my God! Listeners, if you didn't know, I'm very sorry, but these two did know, and they're just being me. I'm in shock. In shock. I don't know. Maybe I would want to see that, but also I lived through all the other prequels and knowing Star Wars in a weird order that, you know, whereas Star Trek, I didn't really, I didn't want, I had never seen the original series, but I knew of it, and then I watched some of of the next generation as a kid, you know, so some of it was like, oh, okay. I don't know. Like, I feel like it would just be really exhilarating to have seen this and just be like, who are these people? Right. Well, I I mean, I I still think back to like, you know, watching like Wrath of Khan for the first time, right? And I, I watched that long after it had been in the theaters. I watched it at home with my dad. And then, like, the moment at the end, and this is definitely not a spoiler, because Rathacon's pretty old, at the end of Rathacon, where Spock dies, and... What? I mean, it's... I know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spoil yeah. it there. What? You know? But, like, watching that for the first time as a kid, oh, I was, I was heartbroken, because I had just watched, like, the I had watched the whole original series. I fell in love with the characters. I loved Spock. I loved Jim. And then Spock dies. And it's like, what in the world is this? Like, you know, the first time you watch it, it it's insane. But, like, um, yeah, like, like, watching this for the first time, it is different than, like, watching it later on when you know fully who the Borg are. 100%. Which is why they had to make Picard a Borg. Which is also not a spoiler, besides the fact that it's old, because we've already covered it. So if you mm-hmm. haven't listened to it, that's your problem. No, I, I, I get your, like, you want to relive something for the first time. And uh, the closest I can see you can get to that, there is, is there is a young lady on YouTube who watches, uh, like, movies for the first time. And she posts a reaction to it, And she did the entire Star Wars series. 
And when they got to that moment, the eye on her father, like, mm-hmm. she like flipped out, and I, I, I felt her excitement for her. I guess because I'm just so entrenched in nerd culture, like I don't know how people right, don't yeah. know that. Yeah, me too. How could you not? Like, even if you weren't a Star Wars fan, like, wouldn't you know that from pop culture? Like that that Vader is Luke's father. I have a friend that does the same thing, and so it's like she she's into things, but I think she does. There's certain things that she like goes for and really gets interested in and then it doesn't mean she doesn't like other stuff she just hasn't been introduced to it so like she'll watch different movies and stuff not knowing what it's about you know that kind of thing and but it just it just boggles my mind so yeah like the borg the borg are still scary every time we see them but i definitely think that the only way that they could up their introduction was best of both worlds oh yeah that's some cliffhangery stuff there that was oof after the Borg are beamed off, you know, they have a meeting in the observation lounge to figure out what's going on. Uh, we have Picard, Data, Riker, and Troy. They're meeting with Guinan to discuss the Borg, because she's the only one who's encountered them besides Q, and, you know, Q's a jerk. Picard asks her what happened to her people, and she says that they, the Borg basically destroyed everyone and everything. Like, she wasn't there when it happened. But she knows so much of it was destroyed. And, you know, in other episodes, we find out that there aren't a lot of her people left and they're scattered across the universe because of all of this that happens. So while they're sitting there, uh, Picard gets a notice that the cube is hailing them. He takes it. Not only does he get threatened, he gets threatened by the entire collective because they're all talking at once. That's kind of creepy. Like, this, them all talking at once is not as creepy as is later on when they all talk at once. But if it had been the first time, it would have been very creepy. Much to my dismay, I know that they could be scarier later, but I know that this would be, like, really freaky to see it the first time. Like, why are they all talking in unison? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So then, Q shows up on the screen just to taunt Picard some more. And, uh, the Enterprise gets locked in a tractor beam from the board cube. We have our senior staff who was in this meeting are now on the bridge. Data says that this beam is draining their shields. Um, they try to pull away, but they can't. And since the shields are down, another beam pulls out like a chunk, like a big plug of the ship, uh, like right from the saucer section. And <laughs> Riker says, they're carving us up like a roast, which coincidentally is what we have for dinner tonight. <laughs> and I actually wrote that yesterday knowing that I was going to make roast today. Star Trek roast. So, because I knew that we was going to make roast, and then I thought, hey, if I put it in my notes, I'll remember to do it. And I did. <laughs> was it roast targ? <laughs> no, not roast targ. I guess you wouldn't, need tar- you wouldn't cook targ anyway. And it's not roast beast either. Not roast beast? <laughs> yeah, targ is probably eaten, like, raw... Still alive, yeah, if I know yeah, the Klingons. <laughs> yeah, all, all Klingon food is, is served uh, alive. raw. Yeah. yeah. Except <laughs> <So> prune juice. <laughs> like, where are we at now? <laughs> they took the chunk out of, of the saucer. They cut the chunk out, and, you know, it really does just, is like the cylindrical piece of, like, decks and stuff, and... You know, Picard orders the crew to use any means necessary to get rid of that beam and to get them out of there. They fire on the cube, and then finally they're released. And we find out that there are 18 people in that section that was pulled out. We don't know if they're alive. We just assume that they're not because there's not atmosphere and space, and the Borg aren't going to treat them well. We go to engineering. Jordy and Gomez are trying to divert the power, like, to their shields, but they can't. 
circuits have been fused and he tells her to figure a way to reroute it and all this stuff but she really can't because she is the only person with a heart like she is letting the loss of these 18 people really affect her and i'm i feel like they should all be more affected by it because they're just on like an information seeking thing you know they shouldn't be used to people dying but at this point we know that people people on the enterprise are used to people dying even though they're not supposed to be she has an ensign on her first assignment so and where jordy is the chief engineer where he's seen this before so this is also fresh and new to her yeah i i, I would be hurt too i'd be freaking out i'd be mm-hmm. like 18 people just died in a heartbeat and he's like just fix it He's like, we can mourn later. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying, but I, I feel like this is a this is a very Starfleet reaction that 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 Jordy has, right? Like, Starfleet is meant to be like the Navy, and so what what happens if you're in a branch of the military, if you're in Navy or or Army or whatever? You know, things happen, you lose people, you know, and the the idea is like, we've got to finish the mission, and then we can mourn later, and it's sort of that that same attitude, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, her, because she's so young and fresh out of the academy, she's definitely more affected. And, and she's differently affected because she hasn't seen combat. She hasn't seen this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. In Observation Lounge, again, we have the same group as before. Uh, Picard is asking Guinan what else she might know about these creatures, is what he says. Um, she said she doesn't know a whole lot of mu- about it, but they're basically cyborgs. And then I wrote trademark because I just don't know if that's actually trademarked or anything. But I feel like because <laughs> they just say Borgs, maybe it is. They've been going on for centuries doing this. And, you know, Q shows up again and he calls them the ultimate user because uh, they take over other people's technologies and you know, they're ruining their cultures and everything, and uh, that's just how they evolve, you know. And Riker yells at him for bringing them there, and Picard just, like, begs him to, like, tell him it's just an illusion, and they can go back to their normal lives and stuff, and he's like, nah, bro, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he tell them this is as real as it yes, gets kind of a thing, he does, right? He does. He says that. He does. And this is as real as it gets. <laughs> Riker totally Rikers it up, and... Uh, says they should take an away team to the Borg Cube because Riker. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. Why not? And so Picard goes with it, and he orders them to assemble away team. Who you know, even if you've never seen this till at this moment, you know that it's gonna be Riker, the main person on this away team, because it always is. Exactly. Let's risk our second in command to go on dangerous missions every week. <laughs> Yeah, let's send our entire senior staff over to the scary monster cyborg ship and see what happens. <laughs> That's what a Kirk would have done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Kirk would have gone himself. He would have gone himself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been, it would have been Kirk, Spock, and... And McCoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe Scotty and, like, two red shirts, uh, and those red shirts would have died. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think we've talked about that Riker and... And Kirk are sort of parallel, like, personalities. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, you know, Guinan's like, no, you don't need to do that. Like, that's a bad idea. I wouldn't if I were you, you know, kind of thing. And doesn't matter. Riker leaves. He takes Data with him. Calls Worf to meet them at the transporter room kind of thing. Dude, we're going to meet here. See you in a minute. 
<laughs> so then we get another captain's log. Unfortunately, it's only supplemental, so we don't get, you know, what time it is or whatever now. Um, you know, Picard recaps everything that's going on. Breaker and Worf and Data made a team. They get transported to the board ship. They talk to O'Brien while he's a beeping and a booping, and he sends them off. They're very on guard because they're bored everywhere. And Data's like, oh, duh, that's why we didn't see any individual life signs, because it's just one hive. Oh, how can I be so stupid? <laughs> I would love Data to do that once. Um, <laughs> so they're talking about these little, like, cubicles. I'm going to call like... Riker called them something else. I'm going to call them cubicles because basically they plug in there to do their work and they're drones. And it's like working in a call center or something. Pretty much. Right? Yep. Well, there's one that's empty and Data goes over to it and he's like messing around. He's like, these seem to be uh, for individual Borg or, where, or like specific Borg. And I'm like, which is hilarious. Like, I love, like, Borg are not individuals. They have a hive mind, but they all look different. <laughs> It's like, yes, you can, uh, you can wear a different shirt, but you have to still all act the same. <laughs> yeah, I thought Data was looking for the USB hub so he can plug in and find right. out what's going on. <laughs> Pretty much. I I thought that's what he was gonna do too, because he said something about the main computer, and I'm like, I, what? You know? And it's not like, what kind of android is he? It's like he didn't like unhook his hand, and you know what I mean. He could have had some sort of thing to drill in there to whatever. I mean he's not R2-D2 like he can't just plug into the Death Star I've I know noticed. Star Wars stuff too and so yeah well he, he has to have Jordy there to take this part of his head off so he can plug <laughs> the wires in yeah for real right that's how that works with data yes exactly so he has to expose the Christmas tree lights in his brain so that he's he can basically just a calculator he's got all of this computing but someone has to work the controls. Yes. Pretty much. And that includes the Christmas lights. <laughs> uh, a Borg passes by them and just sort of like squeezes through, doesn't do anything to them, and they're kind of like either they don't realize we're here or they just don't see us as a threat, and it's like, bad news, Riker, they don't see you as a threat. <laughs> Yeah. Then it sort of backs up because they kind of look around and they realize that the whole cube is just these halls and halls and halls of all of these like two pod cubicles. And I have been in a cubicle with someone before and it wasn't that close and it was still annoying. So good thing that they don't have their own personalities or ideas because that would just be painful. <laughs> yes, definitely. At least as painful as that, you know, eye implant or whatever you got there. Borg five of six <laughs> question. If they're on a cube that big, do they have like crazy number names? Or is it like how where they when they come out of the child pod area or what I, I where how do they get to be one of a number? I think they just give them a designation, like whenever they're assigned to a dis certain district or certain area of the cube. I mean I mean if they're working on a giant cube, they could be 500 of 10,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, when, when we first meet Seven of Nine, she has a much longer name. It's, hold on, let me see if I can pull up the whole thing. Like, she has a really long name, which they shortened to Seven of Nine, and then um, they just then start calling her Seven. Yeah, um, it's like a designation, like a venaria. Yeah, it's Seven of Nine, tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix Zero One. 
that's her full designation. So like Mark was saying, it's a, it's a section that she works Mm -hmm. on. So she's the tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix 01 and she's seven of nine. Exactly. And so, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so their, their name can get very specific so that you know exactly where they belong. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, the, the team is supposed to be, uh, brought back if anything crazy happens. And so after this is all going on and Picard is like talking to O'Brien and he's like, bring him back, bring him back to the bridge. You know, of course, Picard is never that panicked usually. Occasionally he is, but most of the time he's just like, transport them to the bridge. We see like, and we see, this is where we get to see the the Borg babies in these like drawers, these like warming drawers or whatever. (laughs) Apparently, they they have a way that they can link artificial intelligence directly into human brains. Also, why is their technology so gigantic? Why don't they have... Ch- anyway, I can't help it being someone who's seen how technology has advanced, whereas they hadn't seen how technology had advanced yet. Like, people didn't know what the internet was at this point in time, you know, so I really need to stop being so pedantic about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the thing about the Borg babies is interesting because, you know, th- this is originally like how we were supposed to believe that they reproduce. But then after this, we never saw Borg babies again. We did learn in, in Voyager about maturation chambers where they would put like if they assimilated like a child or a, a young person, they would put them in a maturation chamber and it would basically make them grow up very quickly. To become oh. an adult? Like Seven of Nine. That's exactly what happened to Seven of Nine. She was yep. assimilated as a child. They put her in the maturation chamber. She came out an adult very quickly. And then, um, so she never really had much of a childhood. I don't think they had the idea of the assimilation stuff happening yet, because that seems to have come later, that they mm-hmm. assimilate full-grown people. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this board ship had just found a place that had some newborn babies and they're like yes let's throw them in here we'll start them off fresh they've only been there a couple days they're already like size of a six-month-old baby you know or whatever (laughs) you know because then what um when they're looking for picard in best of both worlds like you see the same sort of thing with the drawers and like that's where they find, like, his stuff. His uniform. Yeah, his yeah. uniform and everything is, like, in one of those drawers. No more babies. <laughs> well, maybe they just haven't assimilated the culture that had the aging chambers yet. Oh, there oh. you go. That's a that's a great theory. That's our next stop. Yeah. They hadn't assimilated that, that technology yet. Next stop, baby growth chambers. <laughs> Camino, is that where it was in Star Wars? Yes, Camino was the cloning facility. The clones, yes. I know that I know what this is. Anyway. So, yeah, you know, they find these babies. Uh, Data looks around the corner, and the ship is moving and putting things back in a working order. So he's like, the ship is regenerating, and then, boom, they're transported back. Picard is like, let's get out of here. Warp 8! The Borg are just, like, right on their tail. Riker zooms in. He's like, Alexa, zoom in. And <laughs> they, they get, you know, zoom in a lot to the cube and they see it's like the pieces are moving around and it's repairing itself. And like, that is actually really creepy. There is also more Doctor Who talk for me, of course. Uh, there is a version of the Cybermen where they can like regenerate and do all. And so they're kind of like the Borg. They're like the Borg of Doctor Who. But like there was a word that I was trying to 
I keep saying we need we need that crossover. Right. <laughs> there was a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover comic. Correct. That was the next generation and I never got it. It's really hard to find now, but I would like to get it. If anybody wants to buy that for us as a gift, if they can find it and it's really expensive or whatever, we'll scan it and send you copies. But yeah, like I think like it would have been a really cool on screen concept, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, they they usually upgrade as they call it, uh you know adults too right right um i've never seen any cyber babies cyber babies maybe that's what they mean. <laughs> so yeah the cube's repairing itself really frightening uh they they go to max warp speed and the cube can keep up they are shooting torpedoes at the cube it's not doing anything because you know it's regenerated it's figured out how to take care of this cube shows up and is like don't you need me? You need me. Come on. Come on. Right, come on. Like, that would be hilarious for Q to do because he's he's just so British without being British, you know, because he's got that. Sort it was of- really weird how like, he was laying on the horseshoe on the floor, like kind of draped over it at yeah. one point. It's very awkward. Yeah. John DeLacy. He's part cat. <laughs> uh, we have another captain's log. It's supplemental. The Borg cube keeps keeps up at back speed uh they begin firing nothing happens to the board cube you know they get caught in this tractor beam and q's like i'm leaving you don't need me and picard's like wait please in this q's just like you need uh, do you need me picard's like you want me to say i need you I need you. So then Q sends them back to where they started from, and it looks like some sort of carnival ride as they get spinning off into space. And um, that's basically the end. We have some little loose ends tied up. We have Guinan and Picard playing chess. I don't actually know what that game is called. I think it's just 3D chess. 3D chess. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, and they discuss how now that the Borg are aware of them, they'll come after them, so... That's scary. And the interesting thing is that because Q sped up the process and forced the Borg to meet the Federation way earlier than they should have, I mean, who knows what the Borg would have evolved into in that time? Who knows what the Federation would have evolved into in that time? So he really changed the course of two major groups here, you know, the Borg and the Federation, both. I mean, if he hadn't have done this, we might not have met Hugh. That's very true. Yeah. It was really weird that uh, not a single person was assimilated unless one of those 18. And uh, we never got a uh, resistance to futile. So it's just kind of neat that they have, they're still developing this character. After they've mm-hmm. already did a whole episode on it, they still develop it. And it changes the next time we see it. Mm-hmm. They probably had longer than a couple days. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe they had more than a couple days to figure out the story. Yeah, no, that that is interesting. Didn't even think about that. You know, no. No assimilations. No, you'll be assimilated, really, you know. Nothing. Yeah. But Jordy doesn't want to be assimilated. <laughs> and did Jordy get a date with uh, Anson Gomez or not? <laughs> yeah, really. Maybe if he were Borg. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> not like the, um, uh, what was that one woman's name? She was like the Borg guru. The Borg queen? No. The, the blonde-headed lady that knew all about the Borg or whatever. Oh, Shelby. Shelby yeah, Anson yes. Shelby. Yeah. I could not remember what her name was. So you guys have any other trivia or anything else to say? No, in this episode, I, I, I really love John Delancey as Q. He's such an amazing character. Uh, he's a great actor. I, 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 I know I said this before. I really hope that he somehow shows up and 
Picard season two or season three. I know he's already kind of going on record saying he doesn't want to do it. It'd be kind of weird to see an old Q, but with the technology they have with the aging, they can easily fix that. Like they can have him show up for the first scene being young, then he can snap his fingers and he can be old. Yeah, or the other way around where he'd be like, Oh, I just thought I would make you feel more relaxed or something. And then, like, yeah, his yeah. fingers and he goes back. I think there's one really great line in this um, episode where it's right before Q leaves them the last time. And, and Picard says, you know, maybe we could have learned this lesson without the loss of 18 crew members. And Q says, if you can't take a little bloody nose, maybe you shouldn't be out here. Maybe you should go hide under your bed. And he, he says, like, this line about how how the universe is full of treasures that can satiate all desires, both subtle and gross, but it's not for the timid. And it's such a really great line to go out on. Like, it's such a, it's such a mic drop line for Q. And I just really, really love that last little thing he leaves Picard with that thought. But overall, such a great episode. I mean, introduction to the Borg, super important for other, you know, episodes going forward and, Certainly a big part of Picard was uh, the Borg. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great episode, and can, the Borg are such so important for the Picard story. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, and you know, Picard season two, Guinan is supposed to show up, so she was in this, so that's great. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. I am too, but you know, since she's obviously older, why did she age 30 years when 30 years prior she hadn't? <laughs> so maybe they'll do something to her. I don't know. Maybe they won't. But I don't really care. I'm just just excited. She's going to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun to see her back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, then. That was a lot of fun. Mark, you want to tell anybody where they can find you if there happens to be entertainment? <laughs> right. Yeah, so you can try to catch us on Nerdaholics podcast. We're on all the major platforms. Or you can catch us on the Leftover Army feed where Lenny and I interview Leftover Army members. And we talk to them for about an hour and ask them stupid questions. <laughs> We're having a really good time with that, and we've been really lucky to get some really great stories out of some really awesome people. Mm -hmm. And honestly, there's people out there that listen to this that don't listen to Pop Culture Leftovers, I'm sure. But, I mean, if you want to listen to those podcasts, they're actually pretty good because we know some really fun, cool, weird people. Yeah. I mean, I was one of them, and I'm sure mine was the least fun. (laughs) No, you were fun. We learned that you can write... And you can write backwards and forwards and upside down, both That's hands. True. Yes, I can't do it as well with my left hand as I used to, like in high school. But yes, I can. I can't do it at all. <laughs> or we learned about Greg Smith being a uh, when he went to clown school. Mm-hmm. And that was hilarious. <laughs> he tried. He, try, he tried to gloss over that. We're like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna. You can't gloss over going to clown school. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. But yeah, look for us, uh, Nerdaholics, or the Leftover Army feed. You can find us there. Cool, Becca. You got any closing thoughts? I'm not sure when this is going to go up, but um, I just did an episode with um, our friends Neil and Steve over at Smorgasbord. Oh, yeah. uh, we, uh, we we discussed Discovery Season 3, Episode 3, People of Earth. So, And we also talk about Dr. Crusher <laughs> having sex with a ghost, because I always bring it up as well. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I try to entice one of my other friends to be on our show and talk about that one because she is a comedian and I think that would be great. I mean, cause she just loves, she loves Star Trek anyway, but, um, she has, she has some lower deck stickers on her bike helmet. So oh, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So if, if you listen to this show, you've heard Neil and Steven on here before they've done their, they're doing their own Star Trek podcast now 
called Smorgasbord. I highly recommend it. They're very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both huge Star Trek fans. So if you like Trek, you should absolutely check out Smorgasbord. They have a lot to say about Lower Decks and uh, Discovery and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I was on uh, I was on an episode over there. You can hear me uh, uh, talk to them about Season 3, Episode 3 of Discovery. Nice. Cool. Have you seen this? A new official Star Trek podcast, and it's hosted by Paul F. Tompkins and some girl. I'm trying to find it. I can't remember her name. Pod directive. I had, oh, the pod directive. I had not heard about yeah, this at all. Tawny Newsom is who does it with him. Okay. They have like super legit people uh, who are fans and people that have been on the show or whatever. And so that's really cool if you want to, you know, hear, you know, they talk to like Tignataro, which I love, oh, who's neat. on, you know, okay. Discovery, um, like that kind of thing. So I love Paul of Tompkins. So. If you want to listen, he's very to an, funny. If you want to listen to an official one, I I I can definitely endorse that because I think they're great. We have a line, as some of our listeners may know, uh, we've gone through a couple of uh, sad things that have happened in our lives, and so it's it's set us back on our recording schedule, and um, because life happens, and and but uh, we do have we I got introduced to a very lovely doctor. She is an astrophysicist. She also happens to be a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. and um, she is very excited to come and talk to us about science stuff and, like, space stuff, mm-hmm. and we can talk about cosmic strings and quantum filaments and black holes and warp drives, because she knows stuff about things, and maybe we can ask her how ships stop in space mm-hmm. to a full stop. Maybe she knows. Yeah. I'm going to ask her. <laughs> um, yeah, so she'll be on... Um, we can get that scheduled as well. Yeah. If you have like questions for her, uh, you can tweet us, Facebook us, message us, email us. All of that stuff will be at the end in Rebecca's voice of this episode telling you where to find us. You know, we'll my, ask some of your questions, too, as long as they're relevant. For sure. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening, and um, boldly go where no one has gone before. Bye. See ya. Cardcast is hosted by Brooke and Rebecca. You can find us at facebook.com slash PicardCast, on twitter.com at the PicardCast, or email us at PicardCast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.